Well, hello. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> this is a bizarre and fascinating details. We, we both need like a light. <laughs> we need an amuse bouche between our after our last. Uh, I need a little caffeine. We just recorded. <laughs> yeah, right. We just recorded a very intense episode, God, so um, we're coming back at you guys with an update midweek to kind of give you a little bit of a refresher on some of the stuff we spoke about earlier that we promised updates on. First of all, the Ghislaine Maxwell. <laughs> crazy bones i mean i'm sorry to laugh at it but like there's been a bunch of articles that have come out saying she's suicidal like they're detailing the last moments before she was caught and how she wrapped her cell phone in tinfoil to try to avoid detection Mm -hmm. she hired like former british military to like guard her house and then the fbi shows up and they're like yeah she's in there like they just immediately (laughs) get her just like yeah she's yeah you're looking for her (laughs) yeah what is the tinfoil supposed to do i just want to know I'm Somebody wondering if it, me. like, impedes the signal between the phone and, like, the satellite. The only thing I can see in my head is, like, her with a tinfoil hat on. Yes. And her tinfoil hat yes. just, like, totally in crazy land. Yes. Thinking she's going to get away? I mean, I just don't understand. Like, clearly yeah. she knew she was guilty. She knew she yeah. was going to get caught. She knew the police were looking for her. It was only mm-hmm. a matter of time. Like, I just... She was on the lam. Yeah. And... I don't, I, I didn't read the article, so I, like, it's irresponsible for me to bring this up, really. But, like, I saw a thing that, like, they they think maybe she got married and she has a secret husband. Oh, Lord, have mercy. But, like, I saw that, like, in Why? one place and then I didn't even look at it. So, like, they were wondering if maybe the guy that, like, bought the house, you know, with her or, like, the one yeah. that was, like, working with the broker it was either, they think it was either her brother, maybe, or some guy that she married they don't they last i heard they hadn't identified him yet or like i don't I know which read, one is the updated story right brother or husband <laughs> right or brother husband i don't know uh could be she just is a very strange strange person mm-hmm. and you know i don't mean to laugh and make light of it because it's a very serious issue and she impacted the lives of a lot of victims who are mm-hmm. now suffering greatly um, so I don't want to make light of it, but at the same time, it's like, you have to realize that people like this are not mentally all there. I, I don't even understand. Like I could, I sent you that article and I'm like, I, I don't even know what this is supposed to do with the temple on the phone. Like, I don't, I don't I, know. I'm, I'm blocked not detection, like, like super technologically savvy, but I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> she but, like, was that's not tech crazy. savvy. Yeah. Like, turn your phone off if you don't want somebody to trace you. Take the SIM card out. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> I mean, come on. Have you all not watched a movie? People, <laughs> all of us true crime people are like, what a dumbass. I know. <laughs> she should just take her SIM card out. Yeah. <laughs> Go bury it in the backyard. Right. Yeah. Get yeah, a burner so, phone. I mean, anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> how does she not know about burner phones? I mean, I'm not trying to tell anyone out there how to commit a crime, but like, come on. Yeah, but like, if you need to... Like if you need to be told to get a burner phone to commit a crime, I don't think you're looking to us for your, like your your crime know how. You know what I mean? Like yeah, well, you're you're not going to be good at crime if if we're telling you how to do it. <laughs> this woman clearly, you know, has not had not shown a lot of remorse for this. No. I don't think she thinks what she's done is wrong. I think there's some mental illness there. I think that there's a lot of stuff going on with this case and. I would not be surprised if she tried to commit suicide. I know she's on suicide watch. They think that the same or similar type of a thing is going to happen with her that happened with Jeffrey Epstein. And I would not be surprised if it did just because she does not look mentally stable or act like it. 
they I know that they put like super extra security around her because they don't want that to happen. And there's a lot of like conspiracy theorists out there that are like, well, somebody's going to kill her in prison, just like they did Jeffrey Epstein. Go back and listen to our episode we did about Jeffrey Epstein. And I talk about why it is believable (laughs) that he did commit suicide. So. I mean, I suppose there's always a chance, but I mean, it's very unlikely given the autopsy and yeah. what the medical experts say. And, you know, given what he knew was going to happen to him in prison, I think right. that he didn't want to suffer. So, right. anyway, um, that's neither here nor there at this point. We just kind of wanted to follow up on some of the crazy talk that's been out there about Miss Bananas. Maxwell, Miss Bananas Maxwell. That's what I'm going to call her. Um, Second thing that we're kind of tapping in on is we had a conversation last week with the listeners after we talked in some small measure about the death and execution of Daniel Lewis Lee, who was the accomplice for Chevy Keogh. Uh And there was a moratorium on the death penalty. Then they allowed it to go forward. And then last week they were like, this is happening. And then they got an injunction to prevent it from happening because of COVID. And as of last Sunday night, when we posted the episode, it had been delayed. The execution that is. And we were like, okay, it's not going to happen. But then went to sleep. It had a nice slumber. I wake up, I check the news Monday morning, and I'm like, well, a lot happened when we were sleeping last night. (laughs) Yeah. So, and this, you know, again, it's not funny, it's not humorous, but the uh, the U.S. executed the first federal prisoner in 17 years, and it was Daniel Lewis Lee. Mm -hmm. The Supreme Court allowed it, and this was the first execution of federal inmates in 17 years. Several executions were simultaneously delayed when a judge ruled on Monday that there was still unresolved legal issues with those cases. But um, the condemned prisoners argued that lethal injections constitute cruel and unusual punishment, which has been a long-standing argument mm-hmm. against the death penalty in general. But the Supreme Court voted 5-4 that executions can happen mm-hmm. and should proceed as planned. Last year, the Trump administration said it would resume federal executions, so he was kind of behind that and a forerunner in saying we need to start doing these again. But Lee was executed by lethal injection in Indiana early on Tuesday. Some relatives of the victims had opposed the execution and sought to have it delayed, as I mentioned earlier, because of the coronavirus. Um, In particular, Erlene Peterson, age 81, whose daughter granddaughter and son-in-law were killed by Lee, said she wanted the 47-year-old to be given life in jail, the same sentence as his accomplice. Chevy Keogh did not mm-hmm. get the death penalty. He got life in prison. So why was Daniel Lewis Lee executed and not the other guy? Right. But Lee was convicted of torturing and killing a family of three in Arkansas in 1996 and dumping their bodies in a lake. The execution had been postponed from December and rescheduled for July 13th, but was blocked by a district court judge. And they said that this is going to harm the plaintiffs and they're going to suffer and blah, blah, blah. The, the whole COVID thing is going to justify all of this and whatever. But in any case, he was put to death on Tuesday. Um, there were three more federal executions that are scheduled in the near future. All three of them likely are child killers. And I think that's one thing in particular. He didn't just kill an, a normal adult person. He killed a family, including right. a child. But we've got Wesley Ira Perky, Dustin Lee Honkin, and Keith Dwayne Nelson. They're all sentenced to die in the upcoming days, possibly weeks. There are four others delayed as well. All are set to use an injection containing lethal drugs. 
And the inmates, again, are arguing this drugs violates their constitutional rights not to have cruel and unusual punishment inflicted. So should we hang them instead? Like, I don't really know. But anyway, um, that execution went forward. And then Darcy emailed me slash texted with even more information about another one. Yeah, so the two, the first two executions that you said were planned have actually already taken place. So they have now executed three people this week. So they were on it, like, rapidly. The, um, the perky fellow, I don't remember his first name, the one from Kansas, the argument against his execution was that he has dementia and no longer understands why he's being executed. Wesley Ira Perky. Wesley Ira Perky. So he had has had dementia, and he his lawyers argued that he could not understand why he was being executed. That execution has since taken place. And then today I got an alert that made me want to kind of talk about this because Dustin Honkin was executed today also in Terre Haute. And so there have been three. There have been, there have been three this week. So mm-hmm. I just want to make it clear that this Wesley Ira Perky, before we move on to Destin Lee Honkin, he was sentenced in Missouri in 2003 for the rape and murder of a 16-year-old girl whose body he dismembered, burnt, and dumped in a septic pond. Mm, geez. So this guy was no angel. Either. Not a good fella. So Dustin yeah, Lee Honkin, so, what did he do? Yeah. So I I started looking up Dustin Lee Honkin because the AP News Alert called him a meth kingpin. And it called him a former chemistry student turned meth kingpin. And And that immediately made me think of Walter White. (laughs) Fascinated. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, oh, this guy's like Breaking Bad. So I just go to look him up. And I come across his Murderpedia page. And... Murderpedia. Good stuff. It's just just bonkers. So I'm just going to kind of read this timeline. So in 1993, he and an accomplice are arrested in Mason City, Iowa, on distribution of meth charges. And 19, what, he what actually year was that? Sorry. 1993. Wow, they were doing meth in 93. Yeah, and he actually lived in Arizona, but I guess he was trafficking in Iowa. He was originally from Iowa. Gosh, so I didn't think that was a thing until later. But I didn't okay. either. But okay. especially, I didn't think anybody was like a chemistry student turned meth dealer way back before then. Walter White like right? I thought that was like the maybe beginning maybe that's of it, where they came up with the story for Walter maybe. White maybe this dude so he is arrested and charged with uh in federal court with meth methamphetamine trafficking in Iowa and a man named Greg Nicholson testified against him before a federal grand jury also in 93 that was in April and on July 3rd of 1993 in July of 1993, Honkin and his girlfriend, Angela Johnson, abduct Nicholson, who was the witness who testified against him at the grand jury, oh, his Lord. girlfriend, Lori Ann Duncan, and her two daughters, 10-year-old Amber and 6-year-old Candace. They abduct them. How many people? They Like five? Four people. Four. Four people. Um, Greg Nicholson, Lori Duncan, and her daughters, Amber and Candace. And then in November of that year, they also abducted Terry DeGoose, I think is how you pronounce his name. He is another potential witness in the investigation of just trafficking methamphetamine. That's the only charges here. So now five people have been abducted as potential, well, two potential witnesses and then three others who are related. So they're Um, just hanging out? Like, what'd they do with them? Well, so... 1995 rolls around and the charges against Dustin Honkin have to be dismissed because they can't find any of the witnesses to testify against them. Oh, jeez. 
In 96, local, state, and federal law enforcement officers execute a search warrant at his home in Iowa, and they discover a meth lab, so he is charged again. And he, in 97, pleads guilty to one count of conspiracy to manufacture and distribute meth and one count of attempting to manufacture the drug. And he is sentenced to 24 years in prison, and that sentence would later be changed to two 27 concurrent prison terms. Okay, so I guess they split the charges and they recharged him to 27 years concurrently for each charge. Okay. All right. It is not until the year 2000 that an informant, a prison informant, comes forward and says, hey, those five people that are reported missing in the Dustin Honkin case, I can tell you where they are, where their bodies are. so Honkin's in prison then? Honkin is in prison serving his federal charges on just uh, manufacture and distribution of methamphetamine. Okay. And That's so all he's, he's just with. hanging out, blabbing away, <laughs> telling everyone all yep. of his secrets. So jailhouse informant in October 2000, jailhouse informant Robert McNeese provided authorities with two maps with information he claimed that was given to him by Johnson, pointing to two spots where the bodies were located. Nice. And they found the remains of Lori Duncan and her daughters and Greg Nicholson all together. And then a, about a month later, they found the body of Terry DeGoose. Oh, he was about a mile um, apart from the other four. And he was, so So Dustin Honkin is now charged with, you know, five counts of murder. And he. Um, so he could have been out like in a relatively, you know, expedient period yeah. of time with just the meth lab charges. But no, he had to go well, kill some people. He, ha- I mean, had they not found the meth lab, he never would have gone to j- prison at all. Because they remember they had to drop the charges, so like the first charge was just distribution of meth, and that would have been you know however long, and then all these witnesses go missing, and then he got busted again for having a meth lab. How much of an so, idiot is this guy? Like all he had to do was keep his nose clean, and well, he couldn't even do that. He was considered so dangerous that the judge in the murder trial took the rare step of impaneling an anonymous jury. I've never heard of that wow. before. Have you ever heard of that? No. Other security That's measures legit. included fitting Honkin with a stun belt under his clothes to prevent him from trying to escape. A stun belt? Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that is. So if he tries to escape, it shocks him? I'm guessing it's like a shock collar, but a belt. Wow. Yep. And he was sentenced in 2005. He denied killing anybody. Of course, as they do. I'm innocent. Yeah, and exactly. So... So it says that um, the two year, the two girls, Lori Duncan's daughters, Candy and wait, Associated Press has the names reversed. So Murderpedia has the names as ten year old Amber and six year old Candace. Associated Press, which I'm going to call more um, reputable, has it as ten year old Candace and six year old Amber. So. I'm going to believe Associated Press on that. Okay. But um, it says they were they were still in their swimsuits on the hot summer day when they were shot execution style on the back of the head. Sicko does something like that. The primary target was the boyfriend, Greg, Greg Nicholson, who lived at the home with Lori Duncan. He and Lori Duncan were bound and gagged and shot multiple times. Honkin had recently learned Nicholson, a former drug dealing associate, was cooperating with investigators and would likely testify against Honkin at the trial. Lori Duncan didn't know Nicholson was an informant and she wasn't involved in drugs at all. And as the investigation into Dustin Honkin continued, he killed another drug dealer working with him, Terry DeGoose, beating him with a bat and shooting him. Oh, jeez. 
So he murdered five people all to avoid this original meth charge and ended up with a federal death penalty charge. And he was executed earlier today. He claimed that he had converted to Catholicism and he was now a devout Catholic who cared for everyone he came into contact with in prison, according to his lawyer. I mean... He... Yeah, he also became friends with, uh, what's-his-face, Lee? What's his name? Daniel Lewis Lee. They, they became friends in federal prison, and he was very upset at the way his execution was carried out with it being, like, overturned and then moving forward, blah, blah, and then blah. Rushed, and then Oh, yeah, hurry, let's do it. Quick, yeah. Cut the soup before they, before they deny it again. His girlfriend, Angela Johnson, was actually also convicted at a separate trial and sentenced to death as well. She would have been the first woman in 40-something years, I think. I thought Eileen Warnos was... Federal. Oh, okay. She was sentenced to death, the first woman sentenced to death by a United States federal jury since the 1950s, but the sentence was overturned in 2012, and she was re-sentenced to life without parole in 2014. So that was, I wanted to talk about that because that was banana. It wasn't like what I was expecting to read about when I was just like, oh, let me click on this guy who was like, I'm like, why are they executing like a federal meth dealer? Who cares? And then it was like, oh, I understand as well that we don't get all the facts, but I just find it very um, hard to believe, hard to stomach and swallow the fact that some of these people get life in prison and other ones get executed. It just seems... That that's a little bit of an injustice for two people with the, almost the exact same crime or the exact same crime get two completely different sentences. Right, in that like way. in the case of Daniel Lee and Chevy Kehoe. Yeah, and so why does Chevy Kehoe get life in prison and Daniel Daniel Lewis Lee get executed? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like, those two gentlemen, or not gentlemen, but the two guys in the story about the Teed family, mm-hmm. they both had different sentences as well. They both were in the mm-hmm. commission of that crime, and the, even the one with the lesser got the death sentence, and the other one got life in prison. Like, it just... Yeah. It especially, seems very nonsensical. Especially with what we know about Chevy and Shane Kehoe, too, and their family yeah, they and like everything. they were, legit, hardcore yeah. white supremacists who yeah. had no problem killing people, and, and you know, he gets life in prison? Isn't the murder... Didn't Shane Kehoe murder, a, murder like, a police officer on... Isn't it on the dash cam video? Shane was sentenced to 24 years in prison despite cooperating with authorities. That was later reduced to 11 years. I don't think he killed anybody. I think he had a shootout, but he didn't kill anybody. He was released in 2008. He would never have been released like that. If he oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. They just, they had a shootout. That was, though, on dashboard camera. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Chevy Kehoe obviously is much worse to me than Daniel Lewis Lieb. And, and I... I don't like. Does it just come down to lawyers and how good your lawyer is in terms like of getting you the death penalty or getting you off the? You know what I mean? I like, guess. I mean, I think there are a lot of factors that play into it: your past, your history, mm-hmm. your uh, your willingness to uh, to basically say I did this. Please have mercy on me. You know right. how repentant you are. Right. Your ability to be rehabilitated. If they determine you have absolutely no ability to be rehabilitated, then bye. They're not yeah. going to give you life in prison unless they can determine you can be rehabilitated. And but Chevy so. does have life in prison. Chevy Kehoe is is serving Correct. at the not the supermax, but he is in that 
compound in Florence. Co- I would be uh, more Colorado. worried about him just with I his know, history that's... of this carve out supremacy and that whole Aryan nation yeah. thing and what they have going on in prisons nowadays. I know that, that's concerning to me. But I yeah, mean, but authorized killings or make people kill other people from behind bars. Right. Um. Yeah. So, but anyway, I was I wanted to talk about that because so so basically just kind of a a, re, a recap in conclusion, Dustin Hawken was originally arrested in 93, killed these people in 93, and they were not found until 2000. And he was so, he was so dangerous. The thing that caught my eye, and I was like, we got to talk about this, was the anonymous jury. I've never heard of that. And the stun vest. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing an anonymous jury thing is like something they would also do for like, um, like a witness protection. Yeah. Mafia members. Yeah. Somebody that's like going into witness protection. They have you like shielded or something where like you can't actually confront your accuser or something like that. But like, yeah, I'd never heard about that for a jury. So if I was going to be on a murder jury, a a trial for For something like that, a murder trial, I would definitely want to be an anonymous jury member. I wouldn't want to, it just seems like there's way too many incidences out there in the world today where jury members either get somebody attempts to kill them Mm -hmm. or, Something bad happens to them. Yeah. Yeah. I would for sure have some apprehension about that, especially if it was like somebody involved in a gang and somebody that had like accomplices or like they knew people that were not going to prison. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. Have you ever been on a jury? I've not. I was selected for I was I I got like a couple jury summons when I was in California um, and I only went one day and I sat there the whole day um, and then they ended up paneling a jury and then like they let us go home. So I've never actually sat on a jury and I would kind of like to. I'm kind of curious about how it what it would be like. But yeah, yeah. I don't I've never sat on a jury. Um, I'm not sure they would select you as being because you have a law degree. Yeah. Uh, they tend to stay away from people with legal knowledge. They don't mm-hmm. want people to be too smart on the mm-hmm. juries. <laughs> We've all really seen don't. Runaway Jury. <laughs> <laughs> they want people who they can manipulate, yeah. people who they can mold, people who have strong opinions about certain things, yeah. um, including gun guns and certain things. And the death penalty like and like stuff like that. Like, they would not yeah. want me. Yeah. <laughs> I would be one of the first people that they would use to... I'm not sure they would want me either, but... I think you're too smart for that. They wouldn't want you. Yeah, especially if it involves some kind of science thing. I'd be like, yeah, I have questions. No. <laughs> <laughs> You'd keep the jury in there impaneled for six months. <laughs> We're making this the longest trial paneling in the yeah. history of the court system. I'm sorry, Darcy I have another question. <laughs> Anyway, we're going to go ahead and wrap the episode up. Uh, We hope that you enjoyed this special little mini episode. This is the point in the podcast where we say so long, farewell. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And I cannot emphasize that enough, folks. We really, really appreciate it when you guys rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us stay relevant and show up earlier in search engines for people that are looking for content like we provide. It also helps us when you guys shoot us an email. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, we like that because it helps us cater the show to the listeners yeah and we do appreciate and enjoy when you guys send us suggestions as well so feel free to shoot us an email at the bfd podcast at gmail.com that's in the show notes social media yeah we are at the bfd podcast on twitter and instagram and we also take suggestions and reviews there so head us yeah, up yeah we'd more than happy to fulfill some special requests about different cases that you guys might want to have covered from our perspective 
which is a lawyer and a medical professional. <laughs> no, I'm not a medical professional. I'm a researcher. I'm just blanketing <laughs> it all uh, yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. I'm a scientist. Um, biomechanics, right? Yes, biomechanics. scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very unique perspective, and I really enjoy it. And I promise you folks, because we did get a request from someone a few months back asking for more kind of blunt trauma-type medical sorts of cases, and I've been pushing Darcy to get one and let's do one because I know you guys really appreciate and enjoy those types of shows. And so do I. And I think we found a couple that yeah. we're going to cover off on in the next couple of months. We cannot wait to present them. We have some different perspectives on some stuff that's been out there. And please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild cases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe. Keep it real. And always live your very best life. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.